Hey, everybody. Welcome to Faith and Good Counsel, a show to uplift and inspire women in our families, where we tell you not our truth, but the truth with the sweetness of the feminine, where we talk about ways to live a virtuous life and all of the things that affect us as women in our vocation in whatever state of life we may be in. I'm your host, Stacey Galino, and I'm so happy to be with you once again. It gives my heart such joy to be with you each and every week here on Faith and Good Counsel. I've been hearing from from so many of you and um, continuing to both in the, the Baton Rouge area and in the New Orleans and surrounding areas makes me very, very happy um, to hear. I'm so glad you're listening to and thank you to our regular listeners and thank you to our new listeners. Um, I'm hearing from you as well. And for those of you that would like to communicate with me, you can do so by emailing me several ways, emailing at sgalino at catholiccommunityradio.org, or you can message me out on our Faith and Good Counsel page on Facebook. I have a Twitter, too. It's, I've not mentioned that before, but I do have a Twitter. I'm not very active with the tweeting and twitting just yet, but I do have one. It's Catholic Psych NP, and that's at the Twitter site there. Um, I encourage you all to go out to the CatholicCommunityRadio.org website where you can find out um, more information about the, the work that we're doing on Faith and Good Counsel. But also we have a whole lot of other local program, really programming, really awesome local programming um, here at Catholic Community Radio. And I, I hope you'll check some of those shows out, like, like um, Kingdom Road, stories of converts and reverts to the Catholic Church, as well as Beautiful Minds, the, the Good Sense of G.K. Chesterton, and Around the Table. We like to eat here in South Louisiana on the Gulf Coast, so you should check that one out, too. Um, I want to let you know, too, that um, just a reminder, I do have a blog, and I'm very slowly, but trying to be consistent with putting up old shows, or our past shows, I should say, that are still relevant. Um, you can go to StacyGolino.com. And I want to remind you, too, about theworkingcatholicmom.com from our dear friend here um, at Faith and Good Counsel, Dr. Mary Wallace, who is out and about doing beautiful work for the kingdom. And humblehandmade.com, that's Erin Berryhill Franco's um, blog. And you haven't heard her voice in a little while. Let me give you a little update on Erin. Um, she is moving back to Baton Rouge. Yay! So exciting. So she's going to actually be in studio here with me on some, many, many of our shows for Faith and Good Counsel. I can't wait. I've, I'm, I'm, I've got guests in mind that I just can't wait for Erin to be here and interview with me. So do check out her blog, humblehandmate.com, and keep her in your prayers. It's, it's kind of a big move for her family and um, so very, very blessed, though, to have her beautiful countenance here with me really, really soon. I'm really happy about our show today. I'm going to have as my guest Melissa Mare, as well as accompanied by Anne-Marie Dobbity. Now, if you're a listener to Wake Up Louisiana, you may recognize those names. They were here with us just recently talking about enthronement of your home to the sacred heart of Jesus. And I had the pleasure of talking after the show with Melissa, and she has a profound personal testimony. Melissa is a, a mother who lost her child, but her faith, her Catholic faith, sustained her. And, and I'm very blessed to have she, have she and uh, Anne-Marie here today. And we'll be talking about her story, as well as Anne-Marie is a wealth of information about the Sacred Heart. But I 
have talked too long. I want to go and start with prayer, which we're supposed to do here at Faith and Good Counsel. So let's do so. I will actually um, introduce you just and bring on now Melissa Mare. Good morning. Good morning. And I and Marie Dabadi. And ladies, if you would pray this prayer with me. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. To the sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ, I give myself and I consecrate my person and my life, my actions, pains, and sufferings, so that I may be unwilling to make use of any part of my being other than to honor, love, and glorify the sacred heart. This is my unchanging purpose, namely to be all his and to do all things for the love of him, at the same time renouncing with all my heart whatever is displeasing to him. I therefore take you, O sacred heart, to be the only object of my love, the guardian of my life, my assurance of salvation, the remedy of my weakness and inconstancy, the atonement for all the faults of my life, and my sure refuge at the hour of death. Be then, O heart of goodness, my justification before God the Father, and turn away from me the strokes of his righteous anger. O heart of love, I put all my confidence in you, for I fear everything from my own weakness and frailty, but I hope for all things from your goodness and bounty. Remove from me all that can displease you or resist your holy will. Let your pure love imprint your image so deeply upon my heart that I shall never be able to forget you or to be separated from you. May I obtain from your loving kindness the grace of having my name written in your heart, for in you I desire to place all my happiness and glory, living and dying in bondage to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You know, that's a little bit of a, a long prayer, but it's such a deep, powerful prayer. And I, I especially love the part, the, the last part, ladies, remove from me all that can displease you or resist your holy will. Let your pure love imprint its, your image so deeply on my heart that I shall never be able to forget you or to be separated from you. And the part about having my name written in his sacred heart is just takes my breath away, takes my breath away. It's really powerful to say this in front of the image of the sacred heart when you agree. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That, and, you know, maybe we can talk about that for a minute. Maybe someone isn't sure what image is that of the sacred heart. Maybe I'll ask Anne-Marie, who is our expert today on the sacred heart, tell us what that image looks like. Well, the image that Jesus, when Jesus appeared to St. Margaret Mary, and exposed his heart, the heart was surrounded by a crown of thorns, and above his heart were flames of fire that came forth, and on top of the flames was a crucifix, and he explained to her that these were the symbols of his passion, and that when we sin, this is where he feels the most pain. Absolutely, and you know, the story of how this devotion to the Sacred Heart Began, I think it began a little bit before St. Mary Margaret Alacoque. I mean, it's been eternal, right? His heart has always been forever the same. Our knowledge of it has grown. Um, but it was a time, um, she lived during, I think it was 17th century France, at a time of, um, of great chaos and suffering. And there was a particular heresy, wasn't there? The Jansenism heresy that was abounding 
And that particular heresy, and I'm not an expert on, on, on any of the heresies, but my basic understanding of it is that we people were being taught that God was this mean and angry God and that we could never be good enough to receive Holy Communion. And therefore, people were not presenting themselves to receive Holy Communion. And that was very painful to our Lord's heart, who is all love and mercy and calls his children to be united to him through the Eucharist. And so he looked and looked for a soul to whom he could lament and to share his woundedness over this, his separation from, from his children. And he found St. Margaret Mary Aliquay, this beautiful little young nun who herself had endured much suffering. Right, Emery? That's correct, yes. Um, Margaret Mary was born into a family that was very well off financially. And, um, but her, husband, her, sorry, her father died when she was a child. And uh, at that time in Europe, then there was someone else in the family that inherited everything, all the property and the wealth. And Margaret Mary and her mother became uh, like servants in their home. They lost all their, everything that would keep them going. And they became dependent on other members of the family who treated them very, very badly. And so Margaret Mary had to witness her mother being treated like a servant and she herself began this life of suffering uh, from then on. Wow, wow. And so she ended up, at, through a chain of, of events, she ended up becoming um, a, a very holy, humble nun who loved so deeply, who desired to suffer for the Lord, who grew in her understanding of redemptive suffering and, and, and great love um, for Christ. And, and what a light in that very dark time, you know. And um, how beautiful that the Lord spoke to her and left these beautiful revelations that we can look at it and embrace in our very dark times and to try to help lead us. And in fact, she wrote many, many things. There's much written about her, um, but she wrote uh, many, many uh, letters and other writings. And I found um, a really beautiful letter. And I'd like to read maybe just some of the excerpts from it. It's a letter from St. Margaret Mary Alacoque to Sister Felice Madeleine de Labarge. I hope I said that correctly. Um, and it says, You could find no sure bond, beloved sister, to draw me into a more intimate union with your charity than to love the sacred heart of Jesus. I don't doubt that the sacrifice you want to make of yourself to him so that you can be wholly his to do and to suffer everything for his love so that you can live completely for him according to his desires. I don't doubt, I say, that this sacrifice is very pleasing to him. I think these are words that we could also meditate upon. Our sacrifices please him so deeply. Our, our drawing in and uniting to his heart pleases him so deeply. She goes on to say, It's a life of sacrifice, of abandonment, and of love, of sacrifice of all that is most dear to you, and of what will cost you the most, of complete abandonment of yourself to his loving care, taking him as your guide on the way of salvation. You'll do nothing unless you ask him for the help of his grace. And this I'm sure he'll give you in the measure to which you trust him. Isn't that important? He will give in the measure that we trust him. Moreover, we must live the life of love. Unite yourself with him then in all that you do. Refer everything to his glory. 
Make your home in this loving heart of Jesus. And you'll find their lasting peace and strength, both to bring to fruition all the good desires he inspires in you and to avoid every deliberate fault. That is power packed right there. Unite yourself with him then in all you do. That includes washing dishes, doesn't it? And that includes up to and including the very, very painful things in life, like the testimony that you're going to give today, Melissa. Wow. Place in this heart all your sufferings and difficulties. Everything that comes from the sacred heart of Jesus is sweet. He changes everything into love. And St. Margaret Mary goes on to say, Let's love him then, dear sister, with all our might and our strength. Let's belong to him without reserve because he wants all or nothing. We can't be lukewarm, right? That's right. Scripture tells us we, we get spewed out. Those are my words, not St. Margaret Mary's. She goes on to say, and after we've once given him everything, let's take nothing back. That's a hard one. That's a hard one. He'll be sure to sanctify us to the degree that we're careful to glorify him. That is powerful. You will find that letter on my blog. I'm going to put that up there because line by line, phrase by phrase, there's so much for us to draw from. Um, wouldn't you agree? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I bet different parts of that would speak to us on different days. We may have a different need in a different area of our life to draw upon this, this wisdom, uh, these revelations of truth and mercy and love that Christ gave to St. Margaret Mary. What? Yes. Uh, I just felt when you were reading that, Stacy, that out of Margaret Mary's suffering, she grew to understand that Jesus was the answer to her suffering. Yes. That nothing in the material world satisfies. Amen. Like Jesus. Amen. And how often do we go out seeking other things? Other things. All they the time. They will never satisfy except for a short period All of time. All the time. And in fact, here's a beautiful quote as we go to break. I need nothing but God and to lose myself in the heart of Jesus. You're listening to Faith and Good Counsel, and we'll be back in just a moment to hear the beautiful testimony of Melissa Mare. Vernon's Hardware has been serving Baton Rouge since 1965. The owner is my grandparent, Tommy Chenevere. Vernon's Hardware is located on Florida Boulevard, serving St. Thomas More and St. Louis King of France parishes. I like this hardware store, and we go to church at St. Thomas More. We have jambalaya pots and cast iron cooking equipment for tailgating. I'm studying phonics, not hydroponics. Do you rhyme everything? Vernon's Hardware, that's my grandparent. Vernon's Hardware, 272-0955. Hi, Charlie Savoy here with Johnny's Pizza House, home of Sweep the Kitchen Pizza. We're proud supporters of Catholic Community Radio. Johnny's Pizza with two locations, Baton Rouge, 763-9797 and Central, 615-8335. Masseter Lind serves Gulf Coast area businesses with services such as major medical retirement and supplemental benefits packages. Masseter Lind is a proud supporter of Catholic Community Radio. Masseter Lind, online at info at
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith and Good Counsel with Stacey Galino, and I'm here with some lovely, lovely guests. I'm here with Melissa Murray as well as Anne-Marie Daubity. Welcome back, ladies. Thank you. That's right. I'm so blessed to have you here, and I, I just want to jump right in. I know all three of us have a devotion to the Sacred Heart, and I could just talk about, speak about, learn about, listen forever about Jesus's heart. But I know, Melissa, you have agreed to come very um, lovingly, very selflessly um, today and very courageously to speak about your journey, about your daughter, Brittany Lee, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I'd like to just go ahead and, and, and jump right into that. And I know the Sacred Heart figures into that story in the later years. But first, why don't you just maybe introduce yourself a little bit to us. Tell us who Melissa is. Good morning. Um, I've been married for 29 years. I'm a mother of three children of one which passed away, Brittany. I had an awesome journey in my faith. I was raised Catholic. My mom believed in us going to Mass every Sunday. Um, her love and her faith touched my heart in a profound way. I, after the birth of my son, Brett. And he's how old now? He is 24 now. 24 now, okay. I had um, a miscarriage, and through this miscarriage, brought me back in a deeper way in my faith. I'll never forget, I went to confession, and... Um, told the priest of what was going on and my sorrow. And he told me at the end of the confession to pray for him, and he would pray for me. And I thought, in my youngness of my faith, pray for him. I, I was asking, you know, I needed all these prayers, but I know that our priests need prayers too. And that was a part of my journey of learning even in your own sorrow to pray for others and I did miscarry the child and had a great sorrow in my heart from losing this baby I had such a perfect first pregnancy and this was a real shock for you huh yes a real shock um how many do you recall how many weeks pregnant you were I was nine weeks pregnant yeah and um just so excited to have another baby and I had a son and was hoping for a baby girl so after the miscarriage um, I dove deeper into my faith and um, also learned about Medjugorje at that time and how the Blessed Mother appeared in 1981 and I was just so excited to learn about all that so we moved I got pregnant after three months of my miscarriage and I was so excited to be pregnant again and had just such a great pregnancy and during that time we moved to Baton Rouge and had a great pregnancy again I said um, delivered my daughter Brittany and we were so excited to have a baby girl we didn't know what she would be now what's her birthday because that is a profound day she was born on October 13th which is the feast of the a miracle of the sun, not the feast, but the miracle of the sun in Fatima. And I really didn't know at that time what that date meant. But three months later, my daughter contracted bacterial meningitis. Mm. And 
overnight she went from a healthy, beautiful, vibrant baby girl to being semi-comatose. And when we got to the hospital, the doctors couldn't believe how ill she was. And they had just seen her earlier that week for a checkup. And so within 24 hours, she went from being the total normal baby to totally um, disabled. And can you, can you express for us, if you, if you will, this devastation as the enormity of this begins to unfold for you? I just, you don't, it's almost like you're numb. You can't believe this is your child, yeah. that this is going on with your baby, that no, it can't be real. And I was crying out in my heart in prayer, and I just knew that if Jesus wanted this child to be a miracle, that it could happen. And we were shipped from the medical center of Baton Rouge here to Oshner in Baton Rouge. And I'm sorry, Oshner in New Orleans. Oshner in New Orleans, okay. And while we were there, so many great things happened. And I received a, a third-class relic of Federal Express was sent to me by my aunt. And she told me, when you receive this, press it to her skin and pray to Padre Pio and ask her his intercession, if it's God's will, that she, you know, will be this miracle and she will heal. And through the meningitis, bacterial is deadly. Yes. She had swelling on her brain for seven days. And Mm. it was just, every day was so critical. There were days we couldn't touch her. And um, And she's three months old. She's three months old. And she has so much stuff hooked up to her little body so um i prayed with this um relic through padre pio and just felt so much love and even though i was going through all this i just knew in my heart that god could heal her i just knew all the miracles in the bible and what a great miracle this would be because her brain damage was so severe and Mm -hmm. they told me the day that we brought her was actually valentine Day. Yes, yes. This is so heartbreaking. And yes. so we learned that she would not be the child that we thought she would be. On and Valentine's Day. On Valentine's Day. Wow. But this was um you know, to learn this on this day, it was just <clears throat> You just go numb. You just can't believe this is happening to you. So um, after we learned this, that's when I just, I received this relic of Padre Pio. And then after that, my friend was, my um, Aunt Beverly was friends with Father Harold Cohen. And she had called him at EWTN. And he said a prayer in Birmingham, Alabama for Brittany. And on that very day, at that very time, I went in to see her, and the swelling that had been on her brain for seven days was totally gone. Amen. And I was like, praise Jesus. Oh, my goodness, this is so awesome. And I just kept having hope. And as the days went by, counselors would come in and speak to us. And, you know, what did you want to do with your child? Uh, and I'm like, what do you want to do with your yeah, child? Like, do we want to put her in an institution or... And I thought, like she's an object. Yeah, I said, I carried this baby for nine months. This is my child. She's coming home with me. Right. And um, 
through that, um, in the seven days also, I forgot to say that after, um, no, it was after the seventh day, Monsignor Gust is a friend of Father Harold Cohen's, and Monsignor Gust came to the hospital to see Brittany, and it was late at night, and he said, I want to confirm your child. I want her to receive the sacrament of confirmation. At three months old. At three months wow. old. Wow. <laughs> so he did. He confirmed her. And after he confirmed her, he said, there's something special about this baby. Yeah. And it was just the beginning of the walk with Brittany and all the things that have happened in my life with her. Now, this baby, just, just so people understand, as a result of the bacterial meningitis, she was comatose and then she became semi-comatose she responded and i'm looking at some notes here to to love and to pain and stimulation but she couldn't really communicate she couldn't really cry or talk or walk and she couldn't really maintain her body temperature she required a lot of care a lot of what care. it sounds like yeah. we got home from the hospital um and we learned at that time <clears throat> how to care for her upon getting her home and she didn't become semi-comatose. That took quite some time before that did happen. But we did learn that she was blind and deaf. My goodness. And that she would never walk or talk. And that she would need 24 around-the-clock care. But through all that, I still knew. Um, I just felt this longing that I wanted to bring her places that I knew that maybe Jesus could heal her. And there were different journeys that we went on that um, there was a place in Bayou Pigeon that mm -hmm. Blessed Mother was supposedly appearing, mm -hmm. speaking to women, and I brought her there. And on first Saturday mornings, there was an exposition of the Eucharist. We would pray the rosary. So many people just were so drawn to Brittany because of her youth and her beauty. And I had her wrapped her like a little cocoon. And, yeah. <laughs> and because she couldn't maintain her body temperature, she was wrapped in mm -hmm. winter clothing all the time. And so from there, <clears throat> I also um, have brought her to see Father Manny, a, a priest mm -hmm. who's been given the gift of healing. And I went to see him before our trip to Medjugorje. But Father Termini and Bayou Pigeon told me that if Brittany was not healed in Medjugorje, that I needed to stop taking her everywhere, that God could heal her in her own right. home. But you're on this journey as a mother and, and I know all of us here could, could attest, and our listeners, any mama, you would do anything, anything to save your child. And, and, and it sounds like that's what you were doing. You knew that that healing comes through the Jesus, the divine physician, and you yes. were seeking that out. Such a beautiful, a beautiful thing. So, um, so you were considering taking her, did take her to Medjugorje. Yes. And when did that happen? That happened um, May of 1993. Uh, Father, um, she's still a baby. She's still a baby. Mm -hmm. She's about 18 months at this time, and I had brought her to a healing mass by Father Clarence Wagesback, and he was in Baton Rouge. And at that mass, he got to meet Brittany. And <clears throat> I just been, I heard that he had gone to Medjugorje many times. So after that Mass, I called him and talked to him about going to Medjugorje. And I also spoke to the group in New Orleans that traveled to Medjugorje. Mm -hmm. The Mir Group, huh? The Mir Group. Yeah. It was through the Mir Group. And anyway, the war was going on in Medjugorje. 
1993, Mm -hmm. and we did not know how could I take her there. She needed to be fed through a button. She could not maintain her body temperature. She was on different meds for seizures. But I just felt this longing in my heart that God wanted me to bring her there. So Father Wagesback said I felt some, he felt something very special about this trip, and he really wanted to go, and he wanted to be a part of it. So he and 17 of us went to Medjugorje and brought Brittany. When we left to go on the trip, um, my family had been sick with a cold, and when we got on the airplane, international flight still had smoking at that time. Oh, boy. Because she needed a warming blanket to keep her warm, we were put in the back of the plane where all the smokers were. Oh, my. So by the time we got to Medjugorje, she was in distress. Oh. And I did, Father Wagesback came and gave her the anointing of the sick while we were there. And we got to go see Father Yozo, mm-hmm. and he prayed over her in a way that the interpreter had never seen him pray over anyone. Now this is when you're in Medjugorje. This is when we're in Medjugorje. Mm-hmm. We had traveled to, I think it's Cherokee Brig, where Father was. Mm-hmm. And when he finished praying over us, the Holy Spirit, I was trembling and shaking. And um, everyone around us were touched. And the interpreter thought Brittany would be healed at that moment, the way mm-hmm. Father Yozo had prayed over Brittany. We traveled back that day, and... Brittany got worse, and we had to be rushed to Mostar. And Mostar, in Mostar, the war was still going on in Medjugorje. So that oh night, goodness. you could actually see bullets being fired oh in the goodness. mountains. And our interpreter had to leave us there because of all that was going on, and she had to get back. She was going to come the next day to get us. My mother, being a nurse, traveled with me to Medjugorje. She mm-hmm. wouldn't let me go without her coming. That would be a nurse and a mama. Yes. <laughs> And the doctor actually put his hands up because in that country, not that they don't love their children, but they couldn't understand the love I had for a disabled child. Wow. So this is really a hanging point here, I feel. And, you know, we're going to be going to a break. And I just want to let remind people that you're listening to Melissa Marais. She is a, a mom of several children, one of which is Brittany Lee, who we're talking about today and I know there's so much more to this story but you're you're listening today to a story about redemptive suffering you're listening to a story today about total surrender so I hope you'll stick around for the next segment right here on Faith and Good Counsel we'll be back in just a moment Programming on Catholic Community Radio is brought to you in part by Cale Smith of Northwestern Mutual, 225-408-4585, the Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Catholic Charity Sanctuary for Life is our diocesan housing for pregnant women in crisis, the only one of its kind in Louisiana. Your gift to the Bishop's annual appeal can help this pro-life ministry renovate and double its capacity to accept more women and their newborn babies. For more information, please call 225-336-8790 or visit baabr.org. This is Father Miles Walsh, and I'd like to invite you to take part in a special novena to our Savior's Sacred Heart. Beginning on Friday, October the 4th, And on every first Friday from now until June, 
We will have Mass at noon followed by Novena to the Sacred Heart. Sacred Heart of Jesus Church is located at 2250 Main Street, Baton Rouge. And I invite you to join us beginning Friday, October 4th at 12 noon. O Sacred Heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Join us for the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, live from Our Lady of Mercy Parish in Baton Rouge, weekdays at noon and Sunday mornings at 1030 on Catholic Community Radio 1380 WPYR. What's going on? This is Deacon Joshua Johnson, Diocese of Baton Rouge, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Catholic Community Radio. Catholic Radio for your community. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith and Good Counsel. I'm Stacey Galino here, your host, and I'm so very honored to be here with Melissa Murray and Anne-Marie Dabadi. Melissa is telling us the beautiful, profound story um, in her family and of her very beautiful, lovely child, now now Saint Brittany, right? She is a saint. <laughs> she is a saint. And when we, last segment, when we left off, you we were in Medjugorje in the hospital with Brittany. And your mom, the nurse, yes. and the grandmama. That's right. <laughs> Love it. I'm a nurse and a mama too, so I know. So she recovered well enough to come home yes. from Medjugorje. And so maybe take us from that point forward. We returned home and... And didn't get the healing that you that we think of, right? Right. That's right. Okay, so just to be clear on that now. So take us back to the States. So we come home and... Brittany recovered from, she ended up had having pneumonia, and we, from there, um, um, anyway, from there we went to, um, came back home, and our faith journey just exploded. I continued to seek out healing for Brittany, even though the priest had told me once you brought her to Medjugorje, if she was not that miracle that you wanted to stop bringing her places, did that, that Jesus could heal you and heal her in her home. Did that dishearten you in any way? Or oh, did it, you understand? Yeah, it, I bet hearing that it was it disheartening in, in a way, but you have to process it in a way. What is he trying to tell me? What is he saying to me? He was just saying that Jesus loves us everywhere, no matter where we are, that he hears our prayer if we're in our home, in a hospital, Wherever you are, don't stop praying. Don't give up hope. And so that's, I did carry that with me. And I heard of Anne-Marie Schmidt in the Nazi war camps was giving, um, was at St. George in Baton Rouge. And a friend had told me about it and said, you need to bring Brittany there. She, Anne-Marie, was given the gift of roses because of the Nazi war camps and the stench in the camps Mm. that she just, her body emitted the smell that she would never smell that stench again. So I went there and they had a Eucharist procession and I stood in line after to just have her pray with Brittany. And when I walked up, she said, who is this? And I said, this is Brittany. And she said, I knew she would come. Wow. And I just went, Oh my goodness. And she said, she continued to pray with Brittany, and then she said, as little as she is, she is a victim soul. Do you understand as little as she is, she is a victim soul? And as a mom, it was a knife in my heart because I had just learned about a victim soul, that Brittany had given her yes to God, that she would suffer on earth, 
to save others, to help others in their faith, that as long as she would be here, that that's her mission. And it wasn't what I wanted. I had to give up my push and let God's will be done. And it was a huge step for me in my journey. And that didn't happen overnight, I'm sure, Melissa. It's, it's this profound recognition, this awareness from this saintly woman who's telling you she's a victim soul. And as you say, you, you speak so beautifully about how that sword goes through your heart. Your heart is pierced just like Our Lady of Sorrows. Yes. But ultimately, it comes to total trust in God's will and total surrender. And that's really, really hard. How did you, how did you manage that? I just, I knew how much God loved me. I knew how much he loved my child. I saw the way she touched people's lives in Medjugorje when they would just see her, you know, slumped in my arms, that she couldn't communicate, that she wasn't that normal child, that she was wrapped in winter clothing. People always worried, oh, she's too she's hot. She's too hot. What are you yeah. doing with your baby? <laughs> and, um... So I just, um, I joined, I started a rosary group in Baton Rouge and through that and having friends of faith, um, you know, and sharing with them about Brittany's story. And, and then from there I felt Jesus wanted, I wanted to give back. I wanted to do works. I wanted to help others. And he led me to the Legion of Mary in Baton Rouge and through the Legion of Mary, one of their works is enthronement of the Sacred Heart. Mm-hmm. And that's where I learned. And Father Reuben at the time in Baton Rouge, through St. Thomas More, was um, the priest that became our spiritual director. And he came with us to do enthronements. And to see the lives of these people and how it touched their heart, it was just so awesome. And it was just my journey of my faith. And God kept increasing my faith. Right. And, and you know what I'm hearing? I'm hearing a mother suffering deeply, suffering deeply, just like Our Lady of Sorrows, but open and loving Christ so, so much that you're willing to surrender. And, you know, the world does not offer us, the secular world does not offer us that kind of hope, that kind of devotion. I mean, it, another mom, perhaps that didn't have, that didn't have this, the, the gift of the faith, would be destitute just and I've seen these women I've seen and you cannot create hope you know from only pills and therapy it is Jesus Christ who is the divine physician and I hear that you were immersing yourself in his love and in his mercy and in in the, in the spirit to lead you and guide you though excruciating though heartbreaking I hear I hear you suffering but I hear you going deeper and deeper and deeper into his sacred heart yeah it's such a beautiful a beautiful testament you know i'm wondering about there's so much to this story and i do want to get to um the beginning of Brittany's new life with christ in heaven um but i'm thinking about at this moment your family there's so much going on you're a mom of other children you have another child you're still open to life you have another beautiful daughter after Brittany. you have your son who is older and husband trying to get supper on the table and make it to mass and get the grocery shopping done and you know all of the daily activities that we that we have as mothers how are you doing this while you're still suffering in this way I just knew for my family I had to carry on I had to provide I had to be a mother to my other children when I got pregnant again after Brittany and had another beautiful girl it even if it would have been a boy 
just having another child and to be able to experience again the things that I didn't have with Brittany, it was such a healing process. So I, when you have a child that's disabled, be open to life and to have other children because God heals you through other children. And it brought so much joy to our family. Uh, I would see my son at six years old wanting to hold Brittany, and I'd prop him up against her, and they just loved interacting mm -hmm. with her, even though she was blind and deaf. But she knew from touch she could feel love. Right. And then she knew pain when you take her to the doctors or she'd be sick in the hospital. But she could communicate with us in her own way. Um, it, it was just really beautiful. And we at that time moved back to Harahan. My husband got a promotion and we moved there and moved into an awesome neighborhood. And so many families there had children Brittany's age. And to see them and their children, it hurt knowing that my child could be that age and could be doing these things, but at the same time, seeing all these children and the life in them, yeah. that Brittany had a purpose. It wasn't right. to be that type of witness in life. Her witness was to be a witness to others. And I started a rosary group in Harahan. And from that and friends and prayer, and they would come to my home and see my child and meet her. We would just, Brittany's room, like my daughter said, we enclosed the house that we purchased right when we walked in, their garage was enclosed. And I just knew with all of Brittany's equipment and everything she had, that was the room for her. But my young daughter would say, Mom, you're putting her on the garage. And I'm like, that is not a garage. It's an enclosed room. And it just it was just so perfect for our family. So through that, we um, our rosary group was kind of dwindling a little with mothers and the lives that they had that I felt that Jesus wanted me to start another Legion of Mary. And we presented it to our priest. And after a couple of months, he told us, yes. Wow. So, wow. I'm just, gosh, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, of the day-to-day, moment-to-moment living this, that you are still giving, still giving to others, though you are suffering in your own life and in your own, in your own family. And I just think it's such a beautiful, a beautiful witness. Um, take us, if you will, to the end of Brittany's life. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? In the end of Brittany's life, uh, she... I had physical therapy on Thursdays, and on Fridays she would have this suffering, and she would start to get sick. Her last two years of life, it seemed to happen almost every weekend, and at first I thought she had a heart rate monitor and oxygen saturation machine, so I would see her numbers start to go up. She started to have more and more seizures, and so... As time went on, I started to relate. This is not physical therapy. I felt Brittany was suffering for souls. Mm. So many times she would get better after the weekend. And I know through the Blessed Mother that so many souls go to heaven um, from purgatory on Saturday. And just to see Brittany suffer, it would be so intense sometimes. And heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Just heartbreaking. And wanting her to get better. It just... I just knew it was for a greater purpose. I knew that at times I would tell her, Brittany, it's okay if you want to go to heaven. And, and I would take it back and say, but I do want you here. Right. But I just, um, you know, the journey of it all was just so beautiful to not give up hope, to not give up your faith, to just 
just a fight. Pray your daily prayers. Give all to Mary to give to Jesus, that she will see you through it. She suffered with her son in the suffering of your own life. Through prayer, God will lead you through it, and it's not our will, it's his will. And once we give it to him, as much as it hurts, keep giving it back to him. He will help your faith increase and grow, and it's just amazing what he can do. It is so beautiful. And you, you really, uh, my next question was what, and that was absolutely the Holy Spirit speaking right there because my next question was, can you tell mamas how to survive this? And you just did. You just did. Wow. Now I know Brittany did pass away into new life. How old was Brittany at that time? Brittany was eight years old. And before she, the last phase that she had gotten so sick and could barely breathe, we had brought her to the doctor, and she'd had just another bout of bad seizures and um, respiratory conditions. When she got well, I'd heard about Blessed Celos, and I wanted to bring her there as just a little journey out. Father, Blessed Celos had not been exhumed yet, and mm-hmm. he, he was still on the altar in St. Mary's Assumption Catholic Church in New Orleans. So I went there. And Jack, whose wife was one of the, his wife was healed. She was the first miracle. Right. Jack gave me the tour of the Celo Center. So I actually took Brittany out of her um, wheelchair, uh, which was made for children, and laid her on the altar. Wow. And I just prayed with all my heart still, Mm. even though she was a victim soul. But if God's will, he could still... Because what a miracle she would be with her brain damage. Oh, my goodness. So I put her back in the stroller, and we headed home. And Brittany passed away on March 22nd, 2008 wow. years old. Wow. It, the year 2000? Yes. You said. My goodness. And I'm looking at this, a beautiful picture of this precious heart. And, you know, before our show today, we asked for Brittany, Brittany's intercession because she is with the Lord and um, we do that as Catholics. We, we believe, we know the truth is that we have the communion of saints. That's, there's just that thin veil between heaven and earth. And so she's with you always, Melissa. I know you know that. Not in the way that we would, we would love our children in our arms. We have empty arms when our children are gone. However, she's with you always and eternally. Always. And, and such a beautiful witness. Um, I want to just, God bless you for the courage to share your story with us today. And I know so many moms are going to be listening and will be so moved um, for your courage in this beautiful, beautiful story. And I know there's so much more to the story. Oh, my goodness. There there really, really, truly is. You know, I'm just thinking back um, to the show that we did recently with Anne-Marie as well, uh, Davity. Not Schmidt, but Dab- and right. on Wake Up Louisiana. And I want to encourage everyone to go out and listen to that about the enthronement of the Sacred Heart. Thank you both, ladies. God bless you both for being with us. And um, we'll see you next time on Faith and Good Counsel. Bye-bye. Pax Christi, y'all. hear from uh, different people at non-Catholic churches that Catholics were going to hell or 
that they really didn't know who the Lord was. The Catholic Church is not all what people say it is. I mean, it's completely different. There's so many stereotypes. It's very possible to know the Lord and it's very possible to have a relationship with God in the Catholic Church. I believe I was born into the Catholic Church and that's where I belong. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. The Baton Rouge Hunger Walk takes place Sunday, November 3rd. All of the proceeds stay local to help Catholic charities, the Holy Grill, and the Baton Rouge Food Bank end hunger. Walk with us at the 2013 Baton Rouge Hunger Walk, November 3rd. Find out more at catholiccharitiesbr.org. Catholic Community Radio can't happen without your spiritual support, but we're also praying for you. Call our prayer force today and we'll add your prayers to our growing teams of rosary groups, Eucharistic adorers, and small faith communities. 